Welcome to the Specialty Coffee Podcast by Storyline Coffee Roasters. This is our first episode. We have an amazing lineup coming up for you guys with owners of different coffee shops, whether that be Heart Roaster, Sweet Bloom Coffee, Onyx Coffee Labs. We've got U.S. Barista Champion Head Judges and who we have on for our first episode, which I consider a dear friend of mine, is Danielle Mendoza. He was a U.S. coffee championship judge for the past four years. He works at Cropster. He also on the side does some work with Spirit Tea, as well as prior jobs with Corvus Coffee in their roasting capacity. He has a ton of wealth of knowledge. And Danielle, I'm super excited to have you on, man. Thanks for coming on. Awesome, dude. Uh, also, I roast for Hawk for a little bit. Uh, okay. And Body Brew was my first uh, roasting gig, I will say. Was that back in Florida or was that here in Colorado? Yeah, Florida. That's how I started. Uh, okay. Yeah, in the past, I had no coffee experience. I was just experienced exporting fruit. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So did you jump straight in as a coffee roaster or did you get behind no. the door? bar but i talk too much so i keep the line long <laughs> so they move me to the back i got you they're like hey we got to keep you away from customers we're not getting yep. coffee out yep that's awesome so, so how long did you roast in florida for almost two years okay uh, but my the head roaster there to have to sweep floors and back coffee for so long that and then I started roasting one coffee for almost six months, the same Brazil Cerrado. So every time oh I see Brazil gosh. Cerrado, it gives me... <laughs> <laughs> Not good memories, huh? <laughs> no, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It's interesting how these days people just jump into the roaster right away. Mm, mm-hmm. Back then I had to roast one coffee for six yeah. months. I mean, you do really understand that coffee and how it's going to react, <sighs> though. And I think you get a lot of depth of understanding to say it in a yeah. kind way the, the, the blender back then i will say that was the brazil now yeah. brazil is back to be a blender because of price point but yeah no kidding uh, but yeah that's how what I were started. you roasting on back then dietrich ir7 they don't okay. make it anymore and yeah then the ir12 lovely and then Crazy. corvus was kissing hawk yeah. was kissing and then i did some roasting on i finished like the roasting career in alluring which i think i i love that closing was that your favorite machine that you roasted on oh yeah and i don't know if i can say this but i also did some roasting on uh uh civets they yeah. have improved it now i can control the machine through cropster so i oh no way it was awesome because i roast from my computer with the civets engineer so I was controlling Crabster and roasting from here, and he was the one who put in the coffee in and taking the coffee out. That was pretty cool. Wow, no and way. And then he How? sent me the coffee, and then I cupped the coffees. It was pretty cool. That's amazing. For those who yeah. don't know, what is a civets roaster? I think it's one of the first fluid beds roasters mm-hmm. ever invented by Michael Civets a long time ago. Uh, right. In Denver, we have Calaris, I think is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, uh, a civets yeah. yeah, there's one actually up here in BV, which is super crazy. They have a fluid bed civets roaster. Um, so tell, him, tell cool. him to reach out to civets to get the. I, I don't even know if it's like they can get a the thing. update, but yeah, but it's awesome because now you can. They he put a lot of like 
different sensors and update the, the panel to control the machine. I think it's pretty cool. I was wow. impressed by the roast yeah. they did. Like, a, I never done an eight minute roast. Oh wow! And it actually was an eight minute roast, and it was pretty cool. We was did it, the color reading. How did, and, yeah, how did it cup? Oh, I think the coffee was had age, hmm. but measuring the color and like no defects and things like that, I was pretty. I was my first time using that machine, so I think it's pretty. If you go. If you roast more, I bet you can get amazing coffees in that thing. Wow, that's awesome. What on the technology side of it was different? You said there was multiple probes on the fluid bed because it's oh, just I roasting think he with updated a lot of things, not just yeah. the sensors. I think the cooling tray is going to be updated. Yeah. And if everybody who goes to the expo, he's going to hopefully have in there to roast. I don't know where yet, but so people can go and use it. No, and I think awesome. it's a pretty cool experience. It's a completely different system than Loring, knowing that Loring is also a roaster, but it's a completely different system. Yeah, no kidding. Why did you say, apart from this, I mean, I wouldn't say that Civets maybe was your favorite, but for Loring, why was that your favorite machine to roast on? Easy to maintain, easy mm-hmm. to use, less, a lot less variables. Uh, like by, behind you, you have all those variables that uh, the, the, the mill cities have. Yeah, uh, loading just half the gas and batch size, so hmm. that's all you can think about. And yeah. then, of course, you focus more in the green because now you measure more like density and moisture. And when you have just one variable to play with, it helps you uh, to focus more in the sensor analysis. Okay. Do you feel like that's a benefit or a drawback? Oh, it's a benefit for uh, sure. After okay. roasting in gizons that are well, the, I have to always make sure I said the Gizens before 2014. Okay. They have changed a lot. They changed back then. We have to drill a hole in the front plate to put it in the bean mass. Now the new Gizens, they have the the, the, the thermocouple in the front plate. Mm-hmm. We have to drill a hole in the exhaust because their probe is inside the exhaust, which is oh, wow. interesting. And yeah. But... When you have so many variables plus the green coffee itself, um, then you have to sell pounds, right? And you, every time you sell a pound of coffee, it has to taste the same. The idea is to taste very similar, so right. you have consistency and doesn't. When you have multiple variables and you want to make changes and dialing in the coffee, it just becomes harder and harder. And when you grow, you have to hire somebody else to do mm-hmm. roasting. And that training is going to take you longer. So when you reduce those variables to one or two, batch size and charge temp and gas, the teaching of roasting becomes a lot easier because now you focus more on the table. On the adjustments are easier to cup. Uh, versus, oh, we need to change the airflow, the drum speed. We have to change the charge stamp or the batch size. We are talking about four, right? Right. Um, and if you have different thermocouples, like Mel Cities have the bean temp in the front plate, they have another thermocouple in the tryer, and then they have mm-hmm. another thermocouple in the in the in the environment, and then yep. they have a thermocouple in the exhaust. So you have all these sensor readings. The new provides have all these sensor readings, right? So you are, right. have a lot of data to analyze when you do changes. Totally. So I think Lorin is making it easier to teach 
to roast and more consistent um you know so and it's really easy to maintain i remember back when we were at crops uh, corvus and loring sorry and hawk mm-hmm. we have all these cuts in our arms oh, because oh, of man. the cast iron taking out the the, the cooling tray the funnel yep. and all that stuff we shall be and loring is really easy to clean so easy and make it easier that has the loader so you don't lift that much. Um, the cooling tray is really easy to clean. It has filters. Right. In general, it's a lot easier. And it's more expensive, but I believe you save time in training, mm-hmm. maintenance, mm-hmm. labor in general. And it has the profiling uh, automation, and it has the burner recipe, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Because when we roast manually, and we burn a recipe, which also did it on the civets, and then you cup blind, you will hmm. not find it. But if you cup burner recipe profiling and manual roast, you will find the profiling more easier than those really interesting. Yeah. Just because there's so many other variables that you're controlling when trying to profile. No, profiling is when the ma- machine is f- trying to match a return temp. So oh, the rate so of rise, the rate of rise is gonna be like a snake. It goes mm. up and down, gap down. The burner yeah. recipe just follows the gas recipe, no matter what the bean temp is doing or the return temp is doing. Sorry, right. the return temp because it does the changes based on temp on the bean mm. temp, mm-hmm. right? Not on time on bean temp. So if right. it's, so it's hotter, it's, it's gonna make the changes faster. Right, but it's from a lot roast easier. to roast, it's going to be different based off of how many roasts we you've done. How warm not it is. that much because okay. with luring, you have the between batch protocol already set. Mm-hmm. In a drum roaster, yes, you will have to set up your between batch protocol different. Uh, luring automatically closes the door, and uh, it, you can control how how long you can open the door, and if you are going, what is your charge temps and Hmm. So it's easier to have like a minute and a half between batch protocols. So you can do 4.5 to 5 batches an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it helps you in those ways. And it also depends on the kind of coffees you buy, the density that you buy. If you just roast blenders, it's going to be a lot easier. Denser coffees is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in theory, uh, it just makes it easier. Um when you grow in a company, you have to start thinking about efficiency and, yeah. and not to burn out the roaster, right? Because if you are just always doing like 20 batches a day doing this, and yeah, you're just no going to get destroyed, right? So loading helps a lot in that way because it's just one variable, outer loader, loader. And um, with the burner recipe, which is just follows the gas, it helps, right? You can pay more yeah. attention to the coffee, the reaction of the coffee. Yeah. So no, it's, I, I think it's just uh, the more attention you can have, the better, right? When, when you have all right. these variables, you are changing airflow. You missed one change, it completely changes the whole roast. Totally. So, yeah. So that's yeah. why I think it's, it's kind of cool to have those machines. The more you can focus on green coffee and less variables, the easier it is. Consistency as you grow as a company. What yeah, would you and s- there is no bad machine either, right? Yeah, but there is bad coffee and bad roasters. But machines, yeah. you can make good do coffee in any kind of machine. Right. So no, I'm not true. saying, yeah, yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but what would you? No, no. 
What do you think is the, for roasters that are maybe just starting out as a hobby or maybe they just got their first job as a production roaster, what would you say are the most important variables coming from your experience with Cropster and things like that? What variables do you think like are most important for you to focus on? Whether that be in the green coffee, whether that be variables on the roaster itself, what would you kind of give advice to there? Just to go to a kitchen and look what the chef is doing. Hmm. I think roasting and cooking is exactly the same thing. Okay. I don't think the, the chef is going to just stay looking at the pan. Or, right, it's just looking at the ingredients. And I believe when you go to the grocery store, you just don't buy your groceries with you cover your eyes, right? You are always touching and mm. looking the shape, if it's aged or not, if it's, like, soft or hard, like, those kind of things, right? So I think you have to pay attention to what you are buying. And sadly, when you compare Europe to the U.S., the, 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 the pricing is, is sometimes more important than the actual green, and mm. people prefers just to go cheap. And then they ask, you get people like, I think since I got Cropster, this coffee tastes terrible. And it's funny because Cropster has nothing to do with the coffee. And then it's when yeah. you realize that the first question we always ask is, do you sample roast? The majority of people don't do sample roasting. They right. just buy by a price list and a sensor analysis made by the importers. And if you think about it, the importer needs to move coffee. It's not like when you go to the grocery, you know the fresh fruits are in the back and the older ones are in the front and they have now color codes and things like that so importers are not going to move the fresh first so it's always important to cop and that's why there is books out there that can help so much to understand coffee especially the one from chris uh, royal yeah, green mm. coffee i really like that book and especially he's not a q grader which makes it even more interesting to read yeah it gives you hope that you don't need to put that huge investment at front to just learn green coffee right yeah but is yeah that that's the advice green green is is the way to go uh, yeah again the machine i have a friend learning roasting on the the popper from um sweet maria's yes He's in Breckenridge, and we compare production roast with his coffee roast in there and with the Ikawa. Hmm. And it's very similar, man. It, that thing is amazing. So I don't yeah. think that it's bad machine. I think it's just bad green and bad roasters. Yeah, so, no, I yeah, agree. green. Green is key. I think you told me a long time ago, which is advice that stuck with me, is your job as a roaster is to get out of the way of the green coffee and to try to not impart bad things into the coffee. Like the green coffee is going to be as good as it possibly ever can be in its mm -hmm. natural state. And our job as roasters is to try to get out of the way of that and just allow it to be the best that it can be, which I don't think is always, uh, sometimes can be trickier than others, but yeah, the same as cooking, man, you know, mm -hmm. they, you buy a really good piece of meat and then you're scared to pass from the tasty juices to just the heart and, hard to chew thing you know yeah so i think it's just um that's why sample roasting uh, is the one of the most important tasks as a roaster no matter the size and Absolutely. people just forget about it and they forget that if you don't have a sample roaster sweet marias has so many videos about roasting in so many different really affordable devices uh, but people just want they kawa because it's just a trend right it's not a bad machine but but you can find a lot affordable that can do the job as good as that. 
Yeah, and on the on the basis of cupping, as long as you're consistently, you know, roasting the same way for your cuppings, you're then going to be able to get an idea of what the coffee can do and if it's going to be juicy or acidic or, you know, sweet and all those different things and then actually be able to source coffees not just based off of the marketing that's done from the importers, which obviously their job and their livelihood depends on them moving coffee, but with that obviously there's a trade-off, right? I mean, every importer is going to want to move the most coffee that they can and you know that's their job but the fastest they can because it ages right right so that's that's another that's another fact that but but how yeah you, how yeah. important do you think fresh crop is on a roaster standpoint of getting like how quickly do you think it degrades and how can you tell if your coffee uh, is degrading based on what my experience is no matter the fresh or old is all the milling i think the more you question how it was milled so when you buy coffees always check where the mill was right mm. and then you will be surprised uh, we were roasting i was helping a company a few months ago and they bought this wash ethiopian and the mill was in the bag and then they bought another wash ethiopian and then i told him to send me a picture of the bag and it was the same mill so they roasted exactly the same as the other wash, and it tasted very similar. So I think right. milling is the curating of coffee, and I think hmm. besides the crop, how fresh or not is is milling is the way they prepare those lots. So it's pretty cool to also start recording that data, who, yeah. where the mill was, and, and and you can have that information through the importers. Hmm. Right, and that helps you a lot. Uh, if you, a bad milling can do high temps, and those high temps are going to affect the age of the coffee, and it's going to get older way faster, right? Or things like that. So it's pretty cool to do that. And the best example are Kenyans, right? Kenyans hmm. are mm-hmm. is a as a result of a mill. So, and you know, Kenyans can age really fast. Yeah. So. Besides the fresh or not fresh, you got to do what you got to do, right? You need to serve coffee and all you got is fresh. You have to work with that. But it's important to ask those questions, the variety, process, density, moisture, and milling. Well, where was the mill? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, where all the coffee, where there are multiple coffees that you can buy all done in the same mill and then are going to taste very similarly because they're, you know, processed in that similar way and then milled the same way and then you know, just marketed differently from different, you know, growers. And then, mm-hmm. you know, essentially... It's mo- like mostly you Africans. You see that alone in Africa, right? Wash yeah. stations and mill. But in Colombia, too, you can see... The, we hmm. have big different mills, and you can always see the one from Cauca. Have, they are really, really good millers, but you can have a lot of similarities in coffee. And and also in Wheela, there is another mill, and Manizal is another mill. So you start mm-hmm. learning these different mills. And it's very interesting to to have that data. And when you're comparing crops to the sensor analysis mm-hmm. and physical analysis, then you can see, oh, shoot, look at this. Same mill, same behavior. It's like, uh, I don't know, like research when you start collecting those data. And yeah. It's pretty cool because it helps you buying coffee, right? It helps you. When you get the samples and you start recording all that information, you take that in consideration when you cup. And when you make the decision of buying or not buying quantities, right? If you know this this coffee and the mill is aged really well, 
then I can easily contract more coffee next year because it's a good, it comes from a good place and so on. Right. The people that buy from Caravela, I never bought from Caravela, so um, they are millers, right? They are not producers, they are millers and exporters. So, hmm. And that's why they control most of the South American market. Uh, they are like the most po- one of the most powerful people in coffee because they have mills in Mexico um, and Guatemala, I don't know Guatemala, but oh yeah, Guatemala they have all the way down to Ecuador. So wow. a company is like Sweet Bloom. So when you yeah. interview Eric, ask him about their relationships with Caravella and they are like super powerful. Um, yeah. So they are, they, they, that's why Andy, oh, Sweet Bloom, Karen Rose, very good, consistent coffee because the majority of coffees come to Colombia, talking yeah, yeah. some Mexico and some Guatemala. I don't know if to Guatemala meal they use Caravella, but it's kind of an idea. And if you start doing it, then start collecting those data and you will see some similarities, which is pretty yeah. cool, very helpful. Is, is that something that you can do kind of like preset through crops or is that stuff that you as the user have to be importing of like, hey, this is where the mill came from, this is where I source green? Yeah, yeah, you can do it. I think it's just in professional when you can record more networking. Yeah, and, absolutely. But the professional account is when you can collect that data. That's what I did when I collect mine, um, it's just always put who the mill, even if you don't have a relationship, I think I always ask the importer who the mill was. And usually you can find it on the back or more information about the the back. Yeah, absolutely. But but the importers can, can help you with that too. So for companies that are trying to get better relationships at origin or processing, would you say a good starting point would be to go to the milling companies like you've mentioned? Oh, no, sure. not at all. No, milling okay. is just like a variety. What variety yeah. is? Oh, Bourbon. Oh, which one the mill was? Uh, ABC, Millers, and I don't know, whatever. Right. Just remember to record that. So you will be surprised when you get a coffee again, especially from every day. Like we bought some coffees from El Salvador, and it came mm. from the same miller and different varieties, but the density was very similar. Okay, yeah. So, but that is just like learn the variety of the coffee or the process. That oh, this sense. is a natural, come from the mill, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, that makes but, sense. But it doesn't like, I'm just saying this when you uh, start buying bigger lots, right? Because we talk mm. about age. Right. Did you ask me about fresh or pass or like more older crop? Uh, but that's just related when I buy bigger lots. When you buy smaller lots, it doesn't even matter. Totally. But yeah, no, more data you want, more the better decisions you can make. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The more information you have, the better samples you can get. And then once you're, you know, sample roasting, you then can have better informed decisions on how to cup and, you know, what you're going to be getting as opposed yeah. to just, you know, because, and it is difficult, I think, as an owner of just understanding like, you know, you get bogged down with a lot of things, you've got prices to focus on, you're trying to bring in different lots. And so, you know, cupping just hugely different coffees all the time. And then, you know, having to wait for those samples to get in, purchase them, and then make that order come in, you know, you've got to be pretty well prepared. You've got to be fast because they sell out really fast. (laughs) Yeah. Especially those high end lots that, you know, people really want. And if they're at a decent price point that makes it affordable, it goes even faster, you know? Yes, because some people don't even cup. They just immediately saw a cheaper price. And this, the sensor analysis by the importer, they just buy it. But yeah. 
Yeah. How accurate do you think for people that are buying green coffee, a lot of the times there's like a cupping score associated with those greens. Do you think that's a marketing gimmick or do you think that's fairly accurate assessments? Because I've noticed from different importers, their cupping scores seem to vary pretty greatly. Um, so what, is, just, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I, I, for me, that's super subjective. For me, Q grading or grading coffees is super subjective. And, and I had the chance to see like roasting competitions, right? There's none of them are Q graders. So there were few. And even when I work in some company that had Q graders, and then you can see when they cup how different even they yourselves are, right? Yeah. Especially numbers and things like that. So it's a system that is required, right? You need to grade the coffee. You need to give it a point and, and define that. So I always, depending on who you are buying from, I always suggest having that cup in the room when you are cupping, when you are buying especially, having that, if you are buying for 86 to 85 points, have that 85 there. So, you know, when you are buying, you can always compare with the short, mm. whatever certification at 85. So you can compare, right? To have the yeah. control. That's what they call it, the control cup. So you learn. But uh, but again, I think it's very subjective. And I think each company or each roaster should have his own way of learning and grading and comparing. At the end of the day, the only people that are buying that coffee are your customers not all these trainers and importers or famous roasters or famous people are never going to buy your coffee it's a sad reality right right? yeah it's true so it's very important that you set yourself your own parameters to make sure that those who are actually paying for your coffee are consistent and listen more to them to actually the industry itself yeah, because absolutely. at the end of the day, they are the ones that are helping you pay off your machine, helping you buying those expensive coffees. Not all these famous or graders people, you know, right. at the end, they don't pay for your coffee. You obviously send them for free for them to be graded. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so get it's a very important. Out. It's very important to listen <clears throat> to your customers, to your to your market, right? Because that's right. your market. That's what you are providing. And yeah. So, so how in your role, cause you've been a, uh, you've been a judge for the past four years at the U S coffee championships on the roasting side of things. How does that fall in? What is kind of that world look like for people that may not be aware of what goes on there? I try to be a judge in the other competitions, but I realized that is, uh, we always coffee people, including myself, we always talk about being bios right mm-hmm. but when you are like when you interview the onyx person if you are judging that person imagine the pressure you mentally have again we talk about power of uh, like the the, 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 the the dynamic of power right when you have these powerful famous people and you are ready to judge right there you cannot be biased it's impossible totally roasting it's competition is amazing because you just see a number. Hmm. You don't have a clue who this person is, right? So you, yeah, you eliminate that. that variable so you can fall, fully focus in coffee. 
Sadly, I feel like the U.S. and Europe are way behind. Like we don't do the competition the same way they do it, right? We still here do some sort of presentation, which for me it's I don't know still why they make a roster, make a presentation when you when you go to the world competition, there is no presentation. Right, it's just on your coffee. Yeah, so you already are limiting. You already avoiding people that don't feel comfortable talking mm -hmm. so those people are not going to participate or if they do they're going to do a terrible job and and you aren't sacrificing a person for the way they talk versus the way they perform their roasting right right so that right there we are way behind and also um they do they give you five coffees you select three to be a blend to make a blend and then one to roast a single origin we don't do that right mm -hmm. we are provided by one coffee by the importer and sometimes it's a really really old right. bad coffee so you have to sort it out and all that stuff so and then we do like the screen size and things like that they don't do in the world so it's very interesting uh, but one of the sad things about judging is that at the end of the competition, you hope people come back to you and ask you, like, hey, why did you score this to me? Hmm. Why did you did this? Or how can I improve? Yeah. No, usually you don't, people don't come back or feedback hmm. or nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the feedback that you would like to be able to provide to those people? Do you have, like, certain tendencies that you tend to see? Or is it very unique to, like, who this coffee could be? You know, slightly sweeter. You know, maybe yeah, it's because we we cup it. It's the same coffee you cup like fifty people. You are cupping the same coffee fifty times. Wow! So you get different different areas, right? Mm -hmm. So you can learn from there yourself what to tell the other one. Oh, we found this cup that was the blah 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 because this person did this. So when you bring me a coffee, a cup of coffee is completely the opposite. I already learned what they made this cup do mm. so I can provide yeah. that feedback to the roaster. Yeah, it's easier when you do like that versus when they send you one coffee to evaluate, then you have to ask them, hey, can you send me some green and I can sample roast and evaluate it myself so I have mm. comparison. Yeah. But when we are copying 50 coffees, like, right, we can find a really good one uh, and the ones below, we can provide that feedback. Oh, this person did this and it worked perfect. Totally. So, so would you say... It's easier. For someone who maybe was going to send you coffee to evaluate, in your ideal world, would they send you some green and then like maybe five like samples from five different batches that they ran? And maybe you know, I will say I will say well, like we, we Cropster, you have reference curve, right? Mm -hmm. So you, it would be cool to see. Well, send me your reference curve, like the coffee that you have selected as the, this is the one that you serve. Right. Send me a sample rose made by you and the green that I can sample rose so you can compare the three. Hmm. Okay. I can tell you, right? Because the sample rose, the production rose is not going to make something magic that is going to make the coffee taste way better, right? Extremely different. But yeah, they, I don't I do not do that though. I don't evaluate coffees. But, yeah. <laughs> but if you were. That would be to, cool, right? Yeah. 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 I, I think I always, some people ask me that, like, would you, would you do evaluate the coffee? And I to them, dude, I'm not going to buy your coffee. So I think you should always have that person that hmm. always buys your coffee. It's always excited, like, hey, dude, what do you have today? What yeah. are you bringing new? That's the person who you should evaluate. Hmm. Is that person that always buys it? 
that means he knows the way you roast. He have tasted so many of your coffees. Right. And if he comes along your journey, he has learned how to brew it. He, I bet hmm. he, that person already bought a grinder and so on. So sometimes that person that is always there for you, like always supporting you in your shop or not shop, that that guy that always, or that girl that always comes, gets a cappuccino, buys a bag of coffee and leaves, that's the one that should evaluate your coffee. Um, especially when you bring new coffees, always give them a sample. Like, hey, I used to do that at Corvus. It's like when I get a new coffee, I have this person that sits on the bar. We say hello all the time and I give yeah. them a I tried this. Let me know what you think. Yeah, Should because... I, are you, are you, uh-huh. No, I was just going to say, at the end of the day, like that's who you're roasting coffee for, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not doing it for, you know, Daniel, you know, with Cropster, but I'm doing it for my customers here. And I think for me, it was super interesting coming from Denver and being in the, you know, Denver coffee scene to coming up to Buena Vista. It was so different just because the customer base. And so I had to push myself as a roaster because the market was so different. And it was mm-hmm. it was a great challenge for me. I actually loved it because I was like, man, I've got to, you know, like how can I get really rich, roasty, chocolatey, sweet coffees as well as my like fruit forward and juicy, you know, because I still want to, you know, at the end of the day, I want to roast coffees that I'm excited about and love, but I'm there also wanting to sell coffees. And so, mm-hmm. and it was fun. Like I, I love a rich, creamy, chocolatey, you know, um, coffee, wherever that may be from Mexico, Brazil or wherever. And, you know, that pushes you as a roaster to want to develop and get better. So, but who can provide you the feedback is the people that are in Buena Vista, right? That's exactly. the market that reacts in your roast. And right. I think if, when you send it to me, I'm in Denver and I will go always going to compare it with something else. And I don't even know your market. So right. never forget about your market, but never forget about yourself too, right? Mm. Yep. Sometimes if you just hear your market, then you end up just roasting the same as a Starbucks because the markets that are so new are so used to Starbucks that sometimes you have to do what they do. But when you can bring new things and listen to feedback and at the same time teaching and so on. So so it's always good to be compared, always good to send to other people. Exchange between roasters, I think, is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a good friend in Texas, Jitters. He's always exchanging with people, with roasters. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You can say, hey, I cup like this, cup my coffees like this, use these recipes to brew. And between roasters, they are talking the same way, right? So it's it's always pretty cool when you do between roasters that are not in your market, that is not immediately competition because right. an immediately competition is not going to say your coffee is terrible, right? No, I'm just going to hide it and keep it, you keeping you just like roasting bad or something like that. But but there's totally. also a lot of books, man. There is like, for me, bad roasting is defects. Uh, Rob Hoos just released this $5 digital book about roasting defects. That's hmm. affordable. A lot of knowledge you can learn from it. Um, so... What other books yeah. would you recommend to people? Because Rob also did the modulating the flavor yeah. profile. That was amazing. Right? Yeah, it's I think there books. is again the same as machines. There is no bad books or good books. They are just good things and bad things. Just take the good, leave the bad behind, yeah. and just learn. My, one of my favorite I have it here is Dear Coffee Buyer hmm. from um, Yeah. Let me show it to you. He used to live in Denver. I think he moved, but Ryan Brown. Dear Coffee Buyer. Okay, cool. That's a really cool book. And my favorite right now is the green book from, from Chris, The okay. Green Coffee. Did you, have you taken Have you read it? No, I haven't read it yet. I'll have to yeah, it from Rose Magazine. It's like 60 bucks. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a really, really good. Rose race. Magazine does some great stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They are they're doing the Rose Summit really soon, and it's free, so you can listen to a lot of people there. Okay, cool. Uh, there is a girl from Colombia. Her name is Jimara. She did a lot of what I told you about the milling. She did it with the water activity and sample roasting. Oh, fascinating. She did this whole research comparing water activity with sensor analysis. It was amazing. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that Coffee Summit from Rose, uh, Rose Magazine soon is a free online event, I think. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, And they're just having all different kinds of peoples in, whether it be like who, what kind of guests are going to be. I think it's going to be Skodrao now that he's roasting. Okay. He's going to be there. Jimara is going to be there too. Last time they did it. In Seattle, it was Rob who's talking about sample roasting. It was a, mm. an amazing one. And I think you can access online to that. But you have to reach out to Rose Magazine to see. Yeah, because for I sure. Because I went to that one. That sample roasting class was awesome. Jimara did an amazing class. That's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm about to. I think Rob's going to come on the podcast here uh, maybe at the beginning of March. So, yeah, I'm excited. He's He has such a wealth of knowledge, and he's roasted for so many people. Um, and I know you've and you a like physics or like chemical reactions. That's the guy who that <laughs> yeah. can tell you all about it. Yeah, he yeah. loves that side of the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, there's so, I mean, even for myself, right, there's so much more that goes into coffee that you can dive into. And I think what's exciting for me is I'm seeing the market. There's so many people getting into home roasting because like you said, it's so affordable. It's a hobby that people can get into. And so I think there's just a huge push of like new small micro roasters coming up. And so, you know, there's just a huge world out there of, you know, what people can get into. What advice um, would you give those people that are just starting out? Cupping. Cup. Is, I think the only thing that helped me to understand coffee is cupping. Mm. You cannot just roast the machine. In order to understand what the machine is doing, it's cupping. So right. always cup and always learn how your machine works. Totally. We get a lot of people at Crabster when they buy Dietrichs and they were they used to roast on a Probat or a Gissen and then switching to Dietrich is a completely different cooking style. Totally. Right? So you need to learn your machine. You need to learn troubleshooting your machine, maintenance, how the heat application works, how the burner works, how the airflow travels, where are the sensors and what are they measuring and all those things are super important. But and then copying again and copying again and learn how to buy like this coffee from Dear Coffee Buyer. It's very important because it's going to teach you how the green coffee is or when you sample roast is one of the most important things because you are controlling what is entering to your house yeah right? i love it mm -hmm. that's great it's gonna help you finding it's funny because you become a curator and the funny part i went to this roasters guild class made by an equatorian girl that she's amazed she was amazing she did a, a class about roasting uh green grading defects but at the same time, at the Grosters Guild, we were having this espresso machine, and there is this baristas making you coffee, and they have this blend, and it was very tasty. And then you get to this class, and then you learn, she put you all the defects, and 
And the worst defects are the ones you cannot see on green. Mold, mm. phenol, and H. Yeah. The rest of them you can see it, right? Ferment, black seeds, chipped, or yep. like the shells and things like that. And she did a the blend that we were drinking at Roasters Guild. Forty percent was with those defects. Wow. Well. So sometimes we judging coffees by the green grading without tasting it. Mm-hmm. And the worst defects you don't see. That right. was amazing. That was amazing class. Yeah, because it again comes back to what you said of it all comes from the cup, right? If you're able to cup multiple coffees next to each other, you're then hopefully going to be able to pick up on some of those defects that you're never going to see on green. You know, exactly. and so if you're not sample roasting, you may get a lot that's defected and you'd never know it if you didn't, you know, sample roast and then cup. So. And for home roasters, even for, you can find even small roasters, not even home, but they grow out. And believe it or not, they come to Grubster too. We got a time that we were just getting a lot of home roasters and Cropster is not free, right? And yeah. we think Cropster is this profiling com- uh, software, but it's not, it's more than that because profiling is just the job of a roaster, but the business owner is looking, what is we getting? What samples are we analyzing? How much green coffee we have in A, B warehouses? How much are we roasting per hour? How many batches an hour are we doing? What are they tasting like? So with home roasters and small roasters, I encourage you to use your spouse to, to cup. Mm-hmm. Don't cup by yourself. That's a huge mistake. Always cup with somebody else. You need a second sensory. It's very important to have a second opinion. Right. And no matter if that person is it's super knowledgeable about coffee or not, it's a sensor analysis that is really cool to, to pick up and record in your coffees because it's going to help you improve it. Or your totally. best friend or whoever, always yeah. cop minimal. Of, the same as two minimal two cops, minimal of two people. Don't cop by yourself. Right. And it's a cool opportunity too for your customers, right? If you're able to, that person that always comes in and say like, hey, would you ever want to do a cupping? Mm-hmm. It's a fun experience for a customer to see how it is. And then, you know, that's another, whether their palate's really developed or they can put words to it, it's a different palate that, and ultimately that's who you're selling to, right? So yep. if they're able to taste certain things and say, wow, this is really you know, sweet. And you're like, Oh, well I actually was going for more acidity on this, but I'm glad that you're picking that up, you know, and maybe I should lean more toward, you know, and you can just kind of adjust to what your consumer is wanting. And it's a fun experience that they get to kind of see an intimate back working that us as roasters aren't always like, you know, showing the messy process of cuppings and stuff. So, and it helps you get in those flavors that you put on the bags, right? (laughs) Right. Some people taste something that I never tasted, but let's put it on the bag. Right. Totally. So, but yeah, so always cup with somebody else and uh, at the same time, I forgot what I was going to say because it helps you to, when you have more people, when a company grows, the biggest mistake is one person becomes one green buyer. Hmm. When a company has one green buyer, the coffees are going to taste very similar. Again, we are no buyers. If I have become a green buyer for a company, I always gonna look for me Daniel Mendoza, look florality, citric notes, wash Ethiopians, right? Right. So I always gonna evaluate better those who have citric acid and florality and jasmine and all the clementines, tangelo and all that crap. So I always gonna point higher those. But when you have a second buyer, when you have 
third buyer. Like when you become the head roster is the green buyer, the production roster can have an origin, right? Mm, mm-hmm. The second production can have an origin. Your lead barista can be in charge of selecting Africans and Central America. When you have those, you will see how amazing your coffee lineup is. But when you leave it to one, it's going to be very similar. Yeah. So, and it goes back to the you know how subjective coffee is, right? Like my palate and what I like, it's impossible to be unbiased based off of what I like because I prefer mm-hmm. more juicy coffees as opposed to more citric. And so those, you know, it's not wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with really no. citric. Poppy. But if you have both of those, it's going to be amazing. Exactly. So if you're doing the citric and I'm doing the more malic and the more juicy notes, then boom, then we get some really good diversity and we can cup together on the table and, you know, I can evaluate things and we can find a really good middle ground in so there are Africans and our Ethiopians and our Guatemalans and our Costa Ricans are there all on point. So it's yep, great advice. That's, I think that's pretty cool to have. And you will be surprised how when you're offering something like that, it's amazing. You get more more people buying because they are, when you are just a single buyer, dude, it just becomes boring. And that's yeah. why people just go to subscription that have multiple coffees. Totally. Multiple companies because they just don't want to buy the same coffee all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, Daniel... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other last things you want to leave us with? Is there a thing that you wish you would have known when starting out in coffee that you now know after all these years of experience and working with Corvus and with Cropster and with everyone that you've been a part of with Hawk? Tea. I wish I discovered tea before. Mm, okay. Tea is fragrance. Uh, coffee has no fragrance. Oh, very hard to get fragrance just when you grind it, Right. That's why you smell the grounds is the fragrance, but tea, yeah. all is fragrance. That's why uh, you can eat garlic and still taste tea. Hmm. And tea has opened up my sensory analysis so much. Interesting. And has helped a lot of people develop better palate and better f- senses on your nose in a way. Yeah. So I wish I had discovered tea before. I think... Um, make you a better copper and, and it, it helps you um, in so many other ways. But because when you buy tea versus you buy coffee, when you learn about tea producers, it's mind blowing. Oh my and gosh. You, yeah. And you want to transfer that to coffee producers, which they are playing soccer. What you buy versus tea producers, they brew the tea for you. Now it's changing. There is some young producers trying to do roasting and presenting you the coffee in a way, send you curves like, uh, a Kawa profiles to roast the coffee the way they do it and that's pretty cool so yeah hopefully we get there soon awesome well do you this is one question i've been wanting to ask you with do you think there's a market for specialty tea shops in the united states and do you think no. it'll no okay i was no. hopeful man you got no, me hooked no. on spirit tea and the presentation yeah. they did um was awesome and i just felt like it's, it was it was a market that could be there but isn't really impossible no okay. man we we want drive we have drive throughs still ventis mm-hmm. coffees <laughs> now they want it now yeah. tea bags and when companies decided to go through tea bags is is going backwards right totally. it's like selling ground coffee on bags you don't have ground coffee in your shop right you grind right. it for them after yeah but it's the same way but i think uh, america is a is a fast going market that people don't want to now 
with Spirit Tea and some other companies, we are trying to slow down when roasters serve the tea in a brewer. Yeah. It slows you down and it helps, right? It, it, so, no, I, I don't think you will survive. Okay. Yeah, this year, I think like four or five tea shops that I know close there. Oh, tea. man. Yeah, it's tea requires coffee, man. There is no, there is no totally. way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to have you. And uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck and uh, thanks for all your advice and resources. It was great. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Thank you.